Africa is a huge continent with so many opportunities and so many audiences with which to engage. So today we're talking all about that because it's vital to know about the people and the local nuances if you want to succeed. Welcome to episode 41 of Sideload. Welcome to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman, London. I'm Jermaine Dallas and on the show today we're taking a trip to South Africa and taking a peek on the tech scene and the tech opportunity there and throughout the African continent. Uh, most companies have an EMEA arm but are enough of them focusing on the A part of that and are firms prepared for the cultural nuances involved with breaking into Africa. I've never been so you'd be glad to know that I'm not the expert so to talk us through the proposition of Africa is Porsche Gibbs. Uh, Portia leads the technology practice at Edelman South Africa where she's worked for the last 10 years and as well as working with local players and global brands Portia also works with Girl Code an organization that empowers women in technology. Portia thanks so much for coming all the way from Johannesburg to join us on Sideload. Thank you. Portia I know you're based in South Africa but I know that you follow the entire continent so what's the lay of the land in Africa? Sure, well, it's a very exciting time in, in Africa at the moment. There's a lot going on on the continent. We often talk about it being a, a dynamic place, and that's, that's really the case. So Africa, as many people know, has 54 countries, but this year alone there's going to be 20 national elections in Africa. So that already is giving you a sense of what's happening on the continent. That's 20 countries looking at new leadership, new policies, new economic strategies potentially. Um, in terms of economic growth, Ghana itself is predicted by the IMF to be the fastest growing economy this year globally. So that gives you another sense of, of how the continent is, is performing. And then I suppose the other things to mention is it's a very, very young continent. So the average age in Africa is actually 19 years old. Um, there's a rising middle class, um, forced mostly by mass urbanization, and with that a need for jobs. So it's a very, very interesting place for companies to be playing in with a young population like that. You've got um, a, a rise in consumers and also workforce. So it's all about opportunities and jobs, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so you mentioned there's so many young people there. So uh, does that mean that it's a very tech literate and, and full of opportunity? Yeah, definitely. Although I think in, in my personal view, tech literacy is less about the continent you're on and more about the generation you're in, right? So I think the major difference though then is the application of that technology and how tech is being used in Africa. Um, and there's some very, very cool innovations. So obviously, despite the mass urbanization, there's still a lot of rural areas and tech can be used to, to help those areas in terms of education, healthcare, um, agriculture even. So whether it's um, blockchain being used for land registry in Ghana or education programs, online education programs such as the Rekindle Learning Program used in South Africa, there's lots of, of opportunities for, for the youth in the tech space at the moment. So yeah, so you mentioned uh, about blockchain. Could you tell us a bit more about that? It was the whole land registry thing. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it's it's a great way that tech is enabling people in Africa, and it's really meeting um, the needs of the people. So I think in the in the case of Ghana, what's happening is people own a plot of land, and they've owned it for so many years or generations, and they know where that land begins and ends. Um, but without that being formalised, it's very hard for those people to then go to the bank and get credit and actually sort of build their business out, whether they're a 
farmer or so forth. So one, if blockchain is used to help formalize land registry, then it helps people go to the bank and then become financially included and, and so forth, the economy, economy grows. So that's one way it's being used. Another great example is an initiative that was founded by a woman called Trisha Martinez in South Africa. Um, she founded Walla. Um, that is another blockchain-based payments initiative um, that supports microtransactions. A lot of people across the continent are still wanting to transact a dollar a day and obviously traditional um, banking fees don't support that. So that's another initiative where blockchain is being used and it's, it's really being used across all industry verticals. So there's some exciting stuff happening for sure. So what are some of the other uses of technology that you're seeing at the moment? To be honest, I'm constantly inspired by some of the innovations I'm seeing with the younger generation. So with Girl Code, we run a hackathon every every year. And the ideas that the teams are putting together blow my mind every time. So often these are 19, 20-year-old girls who come together. Um, the first year, the first idea that blew my mind was an app against domestic violence. Um, a following year, it was an app to what more, uh, monitor water usage in communities. And most recently, the winning team um, from last year developed an app that would link out-of-work graduates with a, an MPO in their local area, which would enable graduates to get the, the work experience they need to help with their job search and thereby also providing an MPO with the, the volunteer services they desperately need. Um, and these are real issues and I think that's what I was trying to get across before as well. It's, it's when we talk about sort of the problems, Africans building problems for the solutions they see in their communities, it's these insights that are, that are exciting me and the fact that grads today just have no limits or sense of limits to their, to their innovative com, um, capabilities. So I think that's, that's really exciting and um, very inspiring. Nice. So what are some of the myths that some people hold about Africa and how untrue are they? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some myths. Look, when I arrived there 10 years ago, I also had to unlearn and relearn some stuff, right? Um, but I think there's three that probably stick in my mind um, or stick with me today, I should say. So I suppose the first one is this idea that Africa is traditional. Um, and whilst a lot of people do pay homage to their traditions and cultures, it's never at the expense of living a modernized life. Um, in fact, African consumers demand the best, the highest quality. Um, we love big, glo big global brands, but we also have a lot of very high quality, cutting edge local brands as well, which people love and, and support and enjoy. So consumer spending in Africa is up. In fact, private consumption is reported to be higher than in India um, or Russia. So it gives you a sense of, of um, debunking that myth that Africa sure. is just traditional. Um, I think the other myth that sort of sticks with me is this idea that Africa is playing catch-up um, and that's also not true. We have a wealth of software and entrepreneurial talent across the continent. Um, you've got places like Silicon Cape in, in South Africa and also Silicon Savannah in Kenya which is a one billion dollar tech hub supporting around 200 startups um, and that's supported by Microsoft, IBM and Intel as well I think are some of the big companies that are there. So there's definitely a big drive to push tech, tech innovation. Um, and I think the last one is this idea that Africans want what everybody else has, um, which is not true. I think that um, whilst we all want an, an excellent standard of living, that goes without saying, right? But I think the idea that it's global solutions that are going to come onto the African continent and sort of and fill gaps or fix holes is not necessarily true. Like I mentioned before, there's a very strong Af um, entrepreneurial spirit in Africa, um, and that's what I love about the continent probably the most of everything because 
because um, it's this culture to constantly build things and find solutions and solve problems and that's what's going on the whole time um, and I think in the US and the UK we tend to think of entrepreneurship being something that's very formalized very high profile usually involves a panel of VCs at some point um, and whilst we have that in Africa too and there's hugely successful entrepreneurs across the continent with with phenomenal amounts of money we also have entrepreneurship that is very grassroots level and you know you have to really understand the problem you have to fundamentally understand it in order to build a solution that's properly going to address it sustainably for the future right so I think this idea of and we use often use the term African solutions for African problems and it's true you know when you know the landscape and you know the the culture or the place you can really build a solution that's going to meet the needs and that's what's exciting and sometimes it's those small grassroots solutions that create huge impact so so that's the sort of three myths I say that I would I would try and debunk. A lot of people think it's the place that that, that needs help but there, there are um, affluent parts of that as well and Africans are indeed helping themselves I mean you, you talk about a lot of the solutions they're developing inside Africa for their own challenges that they have so it's a really really good place to do that isn't it absolutely and if you want to if you're the kind of person that wants to come and sort of like explore and find solutions and be creative and and try something you know that's that's absolutely the the beating heart for me of, of what it is to work in in South Africa and, and probably across the continent too we're going to talk about how the big tech brands are perceived in Africa but first let's take a quick listen to this from the last episode of sideload where we talked about technology in sports And this is another important point. People need to understand the rules better. Mm. People need to be more more conscious of, of, of what the, the VAR can and can't do. And I think this is a problem that footballers have, particularly in this country, but it just it's just something in the game that pundits tend not to be as well informed on the rules as, as, as they need to be. And an awful lot of these VAR controversies um, actually just stem from a, a misunderstanding of the rules of the game and you, they follow this sort of typical pattern something happens in the game the VAR intervenes the ref changes his decision and it's correct the pundits in the studio disagree argue about it the next thing you've got an endless slew of stories yeah. BT sport pundits rage over VAR confusion it's like well hang on there wasn't the only confusion was on that punditry sofa yeah. the officials got it right the players clearly you know were told why it had been done yeah. and th but then this narrative well, the, takes yeah. hold you're listening to Sideload and today we're talking all about tech in South Africa and across the African continent. Edelman, South Africa's tech practice lead, Portia Gibbs is with me to talk about it. So um, let's talk about this then. How is big tech perceived and how will the major brands be expected to engage with the local markets? Personally, I think big tech is, is being perceived positively, um, but there is an expectation definitely that big companies need to be very authentic in their intentions to supporting the communities within which they operate. And we actually saw that information coming out in the trust barometer data where people expect tech companies to be able to increase profits and improve the socioeconomic conditions of the communities within which they operate. And that's never more true than in Africa. I think um, big companies like Microsoft, Facebook, Google, AWS, they're doing great stuff and all of these companies are invested in a lot of education initiatives in the ICT sector um, which makes good business sense too right because 
that's their talent pipeline. And you need to make sure that you've got a diverse mix of people coming into your talent pipeline to sustain you for your future, for your innovations. And it also supports the, the need for jobs on the continent and economic growth. So a lot of companies really do recognize that. And it, it's a great time for big companies now because these two needs are intersecting really neatly. Um, and as I say, making, making great business sense. Um, to give you an example, AWS um, currently sponsors an MPO called Girl Code. So the, the Girl Code that I work with. Um, and and then Microsoft have several schools programs. They've also just launched a program in South Africa called Head Start, which is designed to support tech startups. Um, Google have several, several initiatives and, and many of the others. So there's a lot of great work being done in that space for sure. Cool. So tell me about your daily job in comms and how does the, the market in South Africa differ to other markets, say, for example, the UK or the US? I suppose the one thing to say is it's fast. <laughs> um, I've never worked as fast as I work in South Africa. We can turn stuff around at an unbelievable um, time frame. Um, we're creative, we're constantly looking at colouring out the outside the lines, not too much, but you know, a nice amount. Um, and it's, it's a very creative space to be in. But I think that speaks to the market we're in. It's very agile. I would imagine lots of people from other markets similar to South Africa. I imagine people from India would say the same thing or Latin America, right? You, um, everything's changing the whole time, so you have to move quickly. Um, so it's high pressure but it's um, very creative and very diverse and a lot of fun yeah cool and you you um, you're originally from the UK so you had to make that switch so what was that transition like going from working in the pace that you worked in London to working in Johannesburg yeah it was a big switch um, like I said to you before I had to unlearn and relearn quite a lot of stuff um, I was used to um, having very very well established existing structures um, going into a space where we just want to work differently we want to be able to build things differently build structures differently create stuff and and it forced me to start thinking a lot more entrepreneurial as well um, in the sense of looking at a project um, or a client need and there wasn't a sort of a cookie cutter approach to it we had to constantly define and create and, and build and that's that's been such a great learning curve for me personally. I've, I've loved this, what I've learned in the last 10 years has been phenomenal. So what would you say to someone who hasn't penetrated Africa yet, but is thinking about it? Just definitely do. It's such an exciting space right now. There's so much opportunity. And I think that's the thing that I love. I mean, I've mentioned the entrepreneurial spirit, but I think it's the opportunity that comes with it. And I think often the Western narrative of Africa is that there are so many challenges, right? Um, but actually, we see opportunities. There's opportunities to create things differently, do things differently, improve stuff, leapfrog things. So um, if, you're, if you're considering working in Africa, know that it's going to be highly creative. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be challenging original thinking, but the, the, the kind of results you can generate from that will be, will be very insightful and a lot of fun along the way. Cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on the show today, Porsche. Really, really appreciate it. And then thanks to you for listening to this episode of Sideload. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you want to get in touch, send us an email to sideload at edelman.com. See you next time.